When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. It is the Last Stand, the unfiltered straight talk from some of the biggest names in the sport. I am Brian Custer. And you know, the super middleweight division is considered one of the best in boxing. And one of the biggest names is our guest. He's known as the Miracle Man, two time middleweight champion. He is Daniel Jacobs. Danny, welcome to The Last Stand. It's an honor to be on with you, my brother. Thanks for having me. Man, it's great to have you on. Let's get right into it. What has Daniel Jacobs been up to? I've just been, uh, I really just been focusing on myself. I've been focusing on my growth and I've been focusing on what could make me the best version of myself. And, uh, you know, I've been, you know, going back to the drawing boards and, you know, seeing what I can do to be the best version of myself. And uh, it's an exciting time because I'm getting that excitement back that I lost for the sport. And, um, it's a good time to be back in boxing and I'm still a key player in the super middleweight division. And so I just, you know, I feel like I have so many different options still. Um, but I'm just looking forward to the, to the near future, but I'm prepping now. And so whatever that looks like in the near future, I'll be ready for it. And you said, because uh, getting back uh, the love of the sport of boxing, why, why did you lose it? I won't say I lost the, the the sport. I don't. I won't say I lost the love of the sport, but I I would say during that whole pandemic, boxing just wasn't the same. You know, you couldn't go to gyms. You couldn't really, um, you know, do as much as you wanted to. So you, you know, being homebody and trying to make it work from home, you just kind of lose that same drive. And so I'm just excited to be able to uh, not only have the opportunities to, uh, you know. Uh, you know, maybe I would say, you, you know, get that old thing back, but, you know, go back to the drawing boards where what made me Daniel Jacobs, that's what we're going to focus on. And, and, and that's what I'm excited for, you know? And, and so it begs the question, then when will we see Daniel Jacobs back in the ring? I'm hoping this summer, you know, uh, um, there was talks of me fighting different people, but uh, certain things fell through, but there's still so many different other options. I'm looking forward to those options, whatever that may look like. But I know that me still being a key player in the super middleweight division that I'm in, you know, I'm in good hands. I have a great team. Um, I'm looking forward to see what the near future looks like. I'm a free agent. And so I'm looking forward to see, you know, um, just exactly where I land. But I'm sure I'll land in the best place for me and for my career. You know, you, you're interesting because you're one of the very few fighters who have navigated his way it seemed like at one point away from the pbc uh you ended up you know doing a deal with eddie hearn and, and match room and and zone and getting big fights like triple yeah. g getting candelo when other fighters like let's say demetrius andre can't even sniff those kind of fights how were you able to get those big type of fights and when other guys <laughs> could not i would say is simply having a great team you know i've been one to really focus on the business aspect versus wanting to just go into boxing and be, you know, a champion. You have to make sure you're set up properly. And so the root was founded with me and my great team, Keith Connolly, Al Heyman, 
uh, all these different guys that were a part of my career early on, we made sure we set the base so that opportunities like now, I'm able to work with different networks. I have amazing relationships with so many different networks. And I think that's the key because when you lock yourself into a situation, it's hard to uh, kind of venture out and do what's best for you. I have the power to be able to work with different networks. And, you know, we have a great relationship with everyone. We respect everyone. We just want to make the very best fights possible, right? And so I don't think it's uh, a fighter's fault to, you know, be on the sidelines because promoters can't settle their differences. And so I've just been fortunate enough to, you know, have a great team and, you know, make sure that I don't have to feel the anxiety of, you know, knowing what my next fight is or can I get that big fight, you know? I'm set up very well, but like I said, with a great team, you know, anything is possible. So, you know, you said you're free agent. So does that mean, will you continue on with uh, Matchroom and DAZN or will we see you on the PBC and fighting on the PBC, whether it be on Showtime or Fox or where? I think anything is possible. I think that's the beautiful thing about boxing is that, you know, and especially being in the super middleweight division, I think that there are options and so many different people are at so many different platforms. And so if I choose and uh, or if my team, you know, and I choose what's right for me as far as our next opponent, I don't think that a network or I don't think that a promotion will hinder that. I think that, you know, so many people truly want to work together, but it's just, for some time, it's just been, you know, to no fault of the fighters, but for some time, it's just been hindering us fighters. And I think that you need to kill that notion. I think I'm one of the few fighters who can stand firm on, you know, um, really taking control of my career and allowing my team to uh, do what they do and me focus on the boxing aspect. But without a good team, you know, it's really hard to even be a, you know, a really good boxer because there's so much stress and anxiety that comes with that. But you know, I'm grateful. You, you know, uh, you made news, obviously, uh, in March because you were in Long Island and you met for a couple of hours uh, with your longtime trainer, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. you know, at that time was <laughs> been your mentor and father figure yeah. and Andre Rozier. Uh, yeah. You guys posted a, a picture on Instagram. <laughs> it, it, it is it seems, I guess, from looking at it on on social media that you two have mended uh, that relationship. So, so will you two be working together again here in for your next fight and in the future? I mean, I just would say this, like, I, I love Jay. Like, I've always loved Jay. And even in the midst of us, uh, you know, having our issues and having, you know, speak for a very long time, it was just a very frustrating thing because naturally, I think me and Dre have such a, you know, a really good relationship, but it's just, you know, when tempers flare and when people see different eyes or can't agree to one thing, you know, then, you know, it's like family, you know, you go through certain things, but at the end of the day, you still love each other. And so you're willing to mend whatever situations and issues that you have. And I think that's what we're working on. You know, he has um, a tremendous, you know, arsenal as far as what he brings to the table and, you know, his stable and, you know, the, his fighters and, you know, the people that he's brought up from the ranks speaks for that. And so I'm just excited just to be back on good terms with him, whether that looks like us, you know, being back together officially or, you know, working with each other, like, you know, as a whole, you know, has yet to see. But we're just really working on our relationship. And, you know, we trained one time before, you know, which was cool uh, just to be back in that good company. I love it. And uh, like I said, that spark is something that I've been missing and I'm looking forward to, you know, just building on that because, you know, Andre Rosier, Victor Roundtree, uh, Gary Starks, uh, Normal Lorick, all these guys from the New York metropolitan area that were a part of my career. That's where I got my foundation. And so I'm just trying to get back to that, you know, but with fixing my relationships is more important. So that's where I'm at right now. And so right now it, it sounds like you're not together, but, there could be there could be hope that your next fight that you guys are together but officially right now not right now i mean i just feel like anything is possible like you know we uh he, you know i was late for your podcast he had texted me he was like yo <laughs> get on this call like you're late man so you know it's like for me i'm just happy that we can at least just be speaking and having good terms and so i'm willing to build on that and see what that gets us but 
you know, I love Jerry. So. And, and for the people who watch this and obviously a rabid back boxing fans and it, and they, obviously they knew about you, you, obviously you guys didn't talk after the, what happened? How, how did it go sideways? Well, well, well I, without getting into too many details, obviously, I just think that, you know, it was a disagreement as far as how things were handled. And there was uh, just two different sides with two different opinions on how things should have been handled. And like with all camps, you know, the fighter wants to have somewhat of the control, but at the end of the day, you know, you hire a trainer and you have to relinquish that control to a degree. And so I just think that there was a misunderstanding with that. But, um, you know, we settled our differences. We had a long conversation about just that time and what happened and where we are from now. There was a lot of hurt, but, you know, there's a lot of love that we could build on. So I'm looking forward to that. That's great. So, you know, you, in, in, since that time, um, you fought Julio Cesar Chavez. Um, then in uh, November of 2020, uh, you get this controversial split decision win over Gabe Rosado. And there were a lot on social media saying Danny Jacobs needs to be back with Andre Rozier. <laughs> Danny Jacobs is not the same fighter without Andre Rozier. Yeah. What happened in that fight with Rosado? Because, it, it, you know, everyone said Danny Jacobs didn't look interested, didn't look like he even right, wanted right, to fight right. anymore. What happened? I just think, you know, it was, um, there was a lot of, and I hate to really make excuses, so I won't, but there was a lot of things that really filtered into that fight that I mentally couldn't be at my best self. You know, it really did look like I was uninterested in being in there. And so, I don't know if it was the pandemic and people not being at the fights or if it was the preparation. I don't know. There was a lot of things, but I know what I have to do moving forward. And that's really just get back to the core of what got me to that point. So I'm willing, I'm not opposed to criticism. You know, my last performance wasn't my best performance, you know, and uh, I'm grateful that, you know, I have still opportunities moving forward. So it's just really about, banking on that and working towards that and not looking but you know not looking to the past because you know they say your last fight is what is i don't know what the saying is about your last fight but your last fight is what is you but i don't believe you, in that. I believe you're only that. as good as your last fight yeah you're only as good as your last fight and so i don't believe that because i believe that boxing is composed of so many different elements from the mental to the physical to just like everything and so until everything is aligned correctly, I do feel like there's chances of, you know, being the best version of yourself, but I'm looking forward to it. As of right now, do you have a trainer? Yes, I have. I have a trainer. Yes, sir. I do. Okay. So who, who's, who's, who's training Daniel, Daniel Jacobs as of right now? Free Samad is, um, you know, he's been working with me for the last uh, couple fights and, um, that is my trainer. And like I said, we're looking forward to, you know, what the future looks like uh, for my next fight and uh, for the near future. But, you know, I'm excited. Well, you were talking about that fight uh, last November and how you had a lot going on. Uh, August of 2020, uh, you went public. You had a relationship with Angela Simmons. Uh, but then in January uh, of this year, she takes every last picture she has of you off of social media, how did your split with her, how did that affect you then? Uh, I just think that, I mean, your personal life really affects anything that you do, you know, from your work to just your everyday life. I just think that you have to, and that's the thing about sports, you know, because as much as you want to cater to sports, you are human and you go through things. And so, you know, sometimes things don't really go to your liking because it's life, you know, you just have to keep on being the best version or keep working to, you know, becoming a better place. But regardless to my personal life, I do think that um, the thrill for boxing was lost. And I finally got that seek, you know, that I finally got and seek that thrill that I needed that I lost. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like for me in the near future. Like I said, there's so many options and there's so many things that I can still, you know, uh, accomplish. I want to be a Hall of Famer one day. I don't just want to 
you know, I'm not really just in it for, for even though we're prize fighting, I'm not really just in it for, you know, the finances. I'm in it for the legacy. <clears throat> you know, I remember one time going to the Hall of Fame, uh, one time actually with Andre, and I got a chance to see just the greats. And, and, at, the, and at that time, there were a bunch of guys that were being deducted, and I was just looking at them, received their awards, and picturing myself, you know, years later, being in that same position and, and and that's the thrill that I'm seeking and that's the you know you, you work so hard I've been boxing more than half my life you know and so I want to walk away knowing that I made a stand so uh, along those lines I was reading these articles and boxing scene and others and it was saying uh Daniel Jacobs and this was the, during the time when you were dating uh Angela the Daniel Jacobs is more concerned about going Hollywood than boxing Ooh. um did, <laughs> was there any truth to that and how did those stories affect you i don't i don't think i read those stories but i mean that's the first time i heard that but i don't think there's any truth to that i mean i just think that as a human you know you just go through things in life and you know sometimes you have good performances sometimes you don't have good performances but it's about going to the drawing boards and fixing whatever was the issue to make you uh, not the best version. And so that's just really it. I mean, everybody has a bad day at the office. It's not mm -hmm. about defining your career or defining who you are as, uh, as a fighter because my personal life has nothing to do with my career. Uh, do, do you think that, that that breakup impacted your boxing? I wouldn't say anything impacted my boxing. I would say more so uh, the pandemic. You know, I would say that really took the spice out of it because I wasn't in the scene. I wasn't in my environment, which I love. It was really hard to be in gyms. It was really, especially that New York City vibe. You know, I'm really about that. And, you know, to have lost that for, you know, some time, it was just like dwindling down. But, you know. We resurrected. I'm not worried about it. I'm good. <laughs> uh, last October, you put it out there. You said, look, I want Jamal Charlo. Uh, yeah. You two, and listen, I know, you two had that nice <laughs> little face-to-face -face a couple of years ago yeah, there at the yeah, Barclay yeah. Center in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, you know, we recently, we recently had him on the last stand, and one of the yeah. things Jamal said was, where's Danny Jacobs at? He's been <laughs> talking a lot of stuff. Where's Danny Jacobs at? So let me ask right. you, do you want to fight Jamal Charlo? Will that fight happen? I'm hoping that that fight will happen. That's one of the fights that I would want um, as far as, the you know, my legacy fights. I do see that as a big fight. And it's been brewing for a long time. I don't see why it can't happen. So I would love to. I would love to fight anyone in it that makes sense in the middleweight division, but especially in the super middleweight division, I'm for anybody, but you know, these guys know my number, man. These guys know how to get in contact with me. These guys know my representatives and, you know, I'm here for it. And so, you know, I've always stressed that I wanted to fight these big fights. It's just, you know, making it happen. So. Uh, another one, Demetrius Andrade, who just recently fought, we had him on the last stand. Could you see uh, and do you want to fight uh, Demetrius Andre? I wouldn't say I would. I wouldn't say I want to fight him. I mean, I think it's one of those things where if it kind of happened, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But uh, it wasn't. Be, it wouldn't be my first choice to say, "Hey, I would fight Boo Boo," simply because of just you know our relationship that we've had for since we've been kids. You know, we go way back to. The, 14, 15 years old, but, you know, we've always said that if it made sense that we would fight each other and there would be no love lost, it would be simply for our legacy and our family. So if that was to happen, that'd be a spicy fight. I would love that. Uh, another fighter uh, that uh, let's, I'll just say you haven't been impressed uh, thus far is the current IBF champ, uh, Caleb Plant. And Caleb recently <laughs> said, and, I, and I'm going to quote him talking about Dan quote, He's old, on his right. way out. He's not a mega fighter or oh, an A-class fighter. I would oh, put wow. a boxing lesson on him, end quote. <laughs> um, do we see right. a Caleb Plant, Daniel Jacobs fight at all? Hey, man, I see all of that happening. I just think that those fights make sense. And the fact that it's, you know, it's some spice behind it. And the fact that, you know, the public are demanding these fights, I think that that's cool. 
because it just leads us right to a situation to where, you know, it's kind of like, hey, let's, you know, let's do it. We ain't got no one else to fight. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm looking forward to because, you know, I feel like I'm in a position where I don't really have to go too hard to try to prove myself because I've done a lot. But at the same time, it's like I can't force certain guys to get in the ring, you know, so it's going to get to a certain point to where the public is going to have to demand it. And then, you know, I'll be willing. What'd you, what do you think about his comments? I mean, <laughs> they were kind of cutting old, not a mega <laughs> fighter anymore, not an A-class fighter. Yeah. What do you think about his comments? It's all comedy to me, man. I don't really take a lot of this stuff serious, especially like brass talk. Because at the end of the day, when you get inside the ring, that's when it's that's when the talk really like ends and what you bring to the table, your skill and mano y mano. And so I don't really it's funny, like, you know, I'm all about it, right? I know it's entertainment that I like to go back and watch certain things, certain guys say, but at the end of the day, I'm not one to go back and forth. And even in my last fight, I got a little bit more out of content than I normally am, but that was kind of a personal fight, but it's really not my thing, man. I'm not one to keep going back and forth. I think it's kind of cheesy, but at the same time, like, I ain't gonna have nobody say nothing crazy about me and not say nothing. Uh, let me ask you this. Is Daniel Jacobs still a major factor at 168? I'm gonna show you. Yeah, I'm gonna prove it to you. I know, like I said before, I know that there's a lot of controversy with certain fights that I've had and you know people are still willing or waiting to see a certain version of me but I'm going to just prove it like I'm not exempt to people having an opinion right and I get that I'm a fan too and so sometimes when I look back at my fights I do see things that I could have fixed or that I could you know be more entertained as a fan right and so that's really just my job just to work on being a better uh, showman, a, a better performer, and you know, execute. That's that's really my job. So, yeah, the future is bright for me. You know, and then you know, like I said before, like people have a bad day at the office, but you know, bring it on. Whatever criticism there is, like I lost it, whatever. But I still have another opportunity to show myself, and then once everything's put together, that'll be my time to show everybody. If it so, was yeah. up to you, Danny. Um... Give me your next three fights. If you could make your fights, what would be your next three opponents? Uh, man, that's that's pretty interesting. I would definitely say uh, Charlo for sure. Uh, I would probably say like a Triple G rematch. Um, like I want fights really that just make sense from this point out. I don't really want like any more just passive fights, right? I realize that those type of fights really don't bring the best out of me. I want the fights that, you know, I got to steal danger or know that there's like a certain level of respect where I got to enforce to get my all, right? And so I want fights like that. And so I see a Triple G rematch, Charlo fight, and hmm. I mean, that's interesting. I wouldn't know who my third fight would be. There's so many guys out there, but I mean, whoever the fans would want me to fight at that point, so. And that's what I love about 168 because it's, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, the Caleb plants, um, whether it's you, whether it's yeah. David Benavidez. I mean, you, it, it is, yeah. it is like you, there are, it is like big time fighter after big time fighter after big time fighter in that division. Yeah. yeah, it is. And that's what I love about it. I was blessed to be in such a jam packed division in the middleweight, right. For my majority of my career now, moving up you know sometimes you're afraid that it might not be the same buzz but you know it's, it's you know probably not it probably wasn't the same effect but man it's getting to that point man there's so many guys in the super middleweight division and so it's buzzing too and so i'm just looking forward to what that looks like for the near future and you know you mentioned jamal charlo and you know again we had him on but you know listen jamal he was calling everybody out. He was talking about David Benavides. He was talking about Andre. He threw out you, and yet he's taken a lot of criticism because, you know, he's going to fight here uh, in the next month or so, and he's fighting Juan Matias Montiel, who people were like, what? Right. You didn't talk about all these guys and, and you know, at middleweight and moving up to 168, and yet this is the guy you're fighting. <laughs> is that something that frustrates you when it comes to fighting Jamal Charlo? Uh, I mean, I don't, I, can, I don't really care too much about another man's career and what they decide to do or who they decide to fight. It's just when they try to represent themselves as the best, it's kind of like 
you know, goes against your opposition, right? So a guy like Jamal Charlo, the big question to me is more so, why aren't you able to get these fights when you are calling all these guys out and you are the champion? Why aren't these fights being executed if you're vocally, publicly saying that you're going to fight this guy and fight this guy or it doesn't matter, but then you fight a guy that, you know, the public really don't know too much about. I think that's more of a bigger question for me. But at the same time, I don't really care too much who he fights. It's just I still know that that's a potential fight. And so, um, you know, it's just always going to be in the back of my mind. Fights like that, fight like, you know, the Golovkins, the Canelos and, you know, the Benavides and all of these different guys that are in the middleweight division. So when you have options and you have, you know, champions and, and, and still big fights, you know, you can't really rely on just one person. So that's where I'm at. You know? How many more years do you want to fight, Daniel? I want to fight. I, <laughs> it's where my, it's really like what my heart feels. And I've always been one to say that I know that I'm not going to be a fighter to like surpass, you know, just because <laughs> I've seen some guys that come back to the sport of boxing or stay in the sport of boxing. And it's just, that, you know, they're past the time and I don't want to jeopardize my life. You know, I've already had a second chance at life and to be able to do what I do and thrive in it is a, me a mega, mega blessing for me. Right. But, you know, I look forward to doing so many other different things after boxing. And so I would say for sure, like I would have at least a good three, four years in me left. But, hmm. you know, if it's a little extended or if it's called to, you know, go a little bit before, you know, I have a great team. I have uh, a tremendous support system in my family. And so that's a conversation from, you know, what that looks like. And so, you know, I've had an amazing career. And so I look forward to still building my legacy. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's just a sport. Um, I think one of the most profound things I've heard today from you is you want to be a Hall of Famer. What do you think you need? What's what's left for you to accomplish where you say, yep, that's the stamp. I should be a Hall of Famer once I hang these gloves up. I think it's really um, probably it would solidify if I was to become a uh, two division uh, belt holder. Uh, I think it would also solidify it if I was to fight some of the key names that I just mentioned, you know, and look spectacular or have, you know, a, a Toro Gotti, Mickey Ward type of fight. Like I'm down for all of that. You know, I just really want to give the best version of myself. And when my career is done, I want to look back and say, I gave my all and, you know, I gave my life to the sport of boxing and I want to be proud of what I've done. What do you think about, and I know you, you got the opportunity to uh, attend it. What do you think about these YouTubers, man? These YouTubers are not only <laughs> making big money. I mean, heck, they're making right. nearly a million dollars sometimes a fight, uh, uh, getting all of these views, paydays, yeah. fights. Other guys are begging for a fight, and yet they're getting them. <laughs> what do you think about this, this new, new age of boxing with these YouTubers? I mean, it's kind of like for me, like I was born in, late 80s, early 90s, like I'm a 90s baby. So my generation looks different from the generation now. Like I grew up on, you know, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac and, you know, that's my era, right? And so this new age of rap is different to me. And so it's kind of hard to, and they're very successful too, but it's just, you know, it's different, right? And so I look at it like boxing now, it's like, the new way of the world, you have to understand that even in sports comes a new wave of things. And so I may not construct to that or may not know too much about it, but at the same time, it does work. I just hope that it includes the boxers as well. Don't leave the boxers out because you know how hard us fighters have, right? And so I was very, very, very happy to see Steve Cunningham and Regis Prograde on the card and a bunch of other fighters who are actually fighters because, you know, if you have in performances and you have these YouTubers and you're leaving out the essential part of what it actually is, which is boxing and, you know, and you're leaving out the ones who fought, you know, their whole life for opportunities, then I think that's injustice, but it was good to see that. So I support it.
Mm. So listen, I, you know, I have so much respect for you, so much respect for uh, your story. Listen, you're, you're the miracle man for a reason. Um, you know, 11 years ago, here you are, this young boxing phenom out of Brooklyn, and all of a sudden you start having these issues uh, with your legs, only to find out you get diagnosed uh, with a form of, of cancer, and that's on your spine called osteosarcoma. For those who don't know about the story, tell us about how it happened, what happened, and how that affected you. Well, I, yeah, like I said, 11 years ago, I can't even fathom that that's how long it's been. But yeah, 11 years ago, I was in the midst of my career and I suffered from a very rare form of bone cancer, uh, osteosarcoma. Had like a tumor in my back that actually chipped my spine, leaving me partially paralyzed from the waist down. So obviously my career was in jeopardy for a very long time. And were you just training and, and started feeling, what, what happened? Were you training and just started feeling some pressure in your legs? Yeah, no. So what happened was I was actually overseas in Iraq because we was on the USO tour. I was with a few boxers and uh, we was over there giving exhibitions and showing them how to box. It was really cool. But when I was over there, I got really sick and I couldn't understand why. So much so that I had to be sent home. And when I got home, I just started realizing that my lower part of my body was becoming weak. And it, so much so to where I was riding the bike and I couldn't even time the pedal. So mm. I was just like, yeah, something is wrong with me. So I went to the doctor and uh, come to find out that I had, you know, a tumor in my back and, you know, it left me partially paralyzed. And two months out of the ring without even walking i mean that was a very hard process for me and then to know that it was cancerous so i had to go through the whole radiation and that process it was a very hard time but i think the thing that really struck me was the doctors told me that i couldn't box ever again in life and so that was a whole you know challenge in itself and you know i had to succumb to uh the world right i remember you know reading the Bible prior to two months prior to me catching cancer that I came across a word called meek. And I always wanted to say that, you know, God allow me to, you know, remain meek or to understand truly what the word meek is. And two months later, I was just paralyzed in the hospital. Right. So I was stripped away of every thing that I can possibly have that I gained in life that I worked so hard for that was stripped and I just solely had my life and it was like a life lesson for me right and so this was the opportunity for me to truly be meek and just be grateful for my life and you know not anything else that comes with it just life right and so that was the biggest lesson for me but it took me away from boxing for about two years and uh, when I finally mm. came back man it was just the biggest blessing ever, but, you know, it was very inspirational too in the process. And I'm grateful that I can, you know, not only be, uh, a, you know, a, a prominent figure in the sport of boxing, but also be one of those good stories that could represent the sport well and, and, and be someone that can, you know, resonate in so many different people household as, you know, an amazing person who's been through ups and downs. You know, a lot of people connect with that especially cancer. I mean, cancer affects so many different people. You know, as you know, my brother, we've been through both our own challenges and, you know, it's not easy, but when you have someone or you have an example to inspire you, you know, that can take you far. And I'm just grateful that I can have that position. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, listen to, to, to for me, I thought it, it was, it was a, a tearjerker for me to be there in yeah. Brooklyn at Barclay Center when you won the middleweight the title. I mean, that was just amazing. Uh, and what a scene that was. And, you know, listen, your, your life story uh, is something I think that gives a lot of people inspiration. This segment of the show is brought to you by Man Cave Health. It's a public charity that raises awareness nationwide for prostate cancer. Many of you know, I battled prostate cancer and it had it not been for me, taking a PSA test, you know, the doctor told me I could have been dead uh, within a year. 30,000 men die every year from prostate cancer simply because they didn't know their number. 
they didn't get an annual check. And also, do you know one out of every four black men are diagnosed with prostate cancer? How important is your health to you? My point, well, my health is very, very important to me. I think with all that I've been through in my life in terms of health scares and just the battles and ordeals, I think that it is important. And I must truly advocate for not all, not, not, I mean, not just specific men, but all men. I mean, especially us African-American men, because we can be very stubborn when it comes to our health. But I mean, time waits for nobody. And I think that that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that as much as we procrastinate, we think we're going to be able to get that time back or that, you know, we have those time to kind of mess with, but it's time is crucial. And, you know, with this whole pandemic, we've learned that, you know, you know, you really, really have to be on top of your health and you have to get yourself checked out and do things that you don't normally do because we live in such a world where it's so easy to get, you know, affected with anything. So it's just really keen to be on top of your health. Are you the type of uh, person? And listen, I know you have to get a physical and be on top of it every year because of, of, of fighting and being a world class athlete. But are you just as adamant of, let's say, your trainers, your people, your uncles and people, men around you to making sure that they get checked as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like to have what I call boss talk, right, with all of my peers and all of my constituents and especially older uh, gentlemen in my family, right? We all have those conversations, but, you know, I think it's, it, it needs to be popularized. It needs to be something that's common within our community because if it's not looked at as cool, then it's not gonna be, you know, one of those things that we always do. And so I'm here to bring the coolness to it. I'm here to say that it's a cool thing to, you know, bring your family, get a group of men, get a group of people of everyone to just take a doctor's trip and get yourself checked out. You know, that's that's boss move. That, that's something that you can, you know, be proud of yourself with doing versus, you know, being all about a dollar and going out and trying to make something. When you have your health, that's the true wealth, not like, you know, material stuff. So, The mission for Man Cave Health is to encourage all men to take just one hour out of the year to either get a physical and a PSA test. And with donations from people just like you, you can help other men who maybe don't have the resources to pay for a PSA test or a physical exam. All you've got to do is go to the Man Cave Health website at mancavehealth.org and sign up for their free newsletter. It is a great resource and please make a donation because this public charity is trying to make sure that all men can get a physical and a PSA test. And all you've got to do to donate to this public charity is text the last stand to 44321. You know, for everyone who watches uh, and supports the podcast, we allow them to submit questions. Man, it came raining in on you. So let me try to get through, <laughs> through some of these questions. Uh, first one is Here something that go. we've already talked about. It comes from Twitter. It says, Daniel, will you ever fight Charlo or Andre? Yes, I will. I, I, I will. I'm, I won to fight um, all of the big fights. And uh, like I said, for my legacy, I want to be able to have, especially the public's demand fights is what we just mentioned. I want to be able to have all those fights. So, yes. And I promise this one came from Twitter. It didn't come from me. It says <laughs> from Barr from Twitter. When are you coming back to the PBC and Showtime? <laughs> well, I mean, anything is possible, man. I just think that it just makes sense um, for me, especially as a free agent, to make sure that I'm in the best position as possible. And so what that looks like, you know, my team is going to construct and then, you know, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to it because the summertime, especially maybe towards the end of summer, I'm going to be back and uh, I'm going to be looking forward to displaying my skills and whatever outlet that may be. Uh, another one from Twitter from Chris. It says, what's happening, champ? What's the reason uh, for your most recent inactivity? Uh, I would say the pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic has really hindered a lot of fighters. I mean, 
just think about 2000 and you know 19 how many guys were active fighting back to back to back and then that drastic change from when it happened you know, even till now a lot of guys still haven't been you know grateful to uh partake in a boxing match right it's it's very very hard so like i said one of those situations to where as a fighter you want to be able to give your best but in situations in life things happen and so you just have to you know you just have to adapt how many times do you want to fight this year daniel this year i would like to fight at least twice this year for sure for sure but i know with you know um the pandemic and you know theaters and arenas and stadiums are really probably not going to be as you know open as we would like and so i'm hoping that in the near future, maybe around the end of summer, that at least we can have 50% capacity so that I can feel that electricity and that the fans can actually come to fights because I know fans are really missing like boxing that is, you know, live up close and personal like it used to be. Uh, this one from Bobby from Twitter. It says, other than uh, JCC Jr. quitting, no stoppages since 2016. Where's the power gone? I wouldn't say the power has gone anywhere. I just think that when you get to that level of opposition, everyone is good. It's like the minor things that separates you from other champions and other fighters. And so sometimes you want knockouts and sometimes you want to produce it, but, but you can't focus too much on power. You have to, you know, focus on the balance of skill and, and, you know, defense and power. And so, and so there's a balance that, you know, sometimes if you execute it right, you can get a knockout, but, you know, everybody's good at this level. You know, you can't be grateful to get uh, a knockout every time, but you know, my, my knockout ratio is still, still pretty high. So yes, it is. keeping an eye on it. <laughs> <laughs> this one from Twitter as well. It says, what was it like fighting Sean Porter multiple times in the amateurs? Oh, wow, man, that was, that was, looking at it now, I can say it was fun, but going through it, man, it was hell. Like, Sean, <laughs> Sean was probably my, my number one rival as an amateur. I fought him at least six or seven times in the amateur, and we would go back to back and back. But, you know, good times between him and I. I love him and his family. Uh, but it was an experience. Um, you know, I always tell him every time we talk is that I always have this memory of him just jabbing and having them because, you know, Sean have these big mouthpieces and you just got this jab image in my face, right? Because he was a bulldog in the ring. I mean, you see Sean now, he's like small and condensed, but back then, Sean was like a linebacker. He was like right. 65 fighting middleweight at like five, 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 six, right? Which is unbelievable in itself, but man, we had some good times back then. And I was looking at your, I mean, you fought, you fought some top-notch fighters yeah, back yeah. in the amateur days, Daniel. We did, we had a good time back in the amateurs, man. That was some of my fondest memories in boxing. That's when I truly, truly loved the sport because it was always just about boxing, not about politics, not about anything else. It was about who was the best, what country was the best, you know, what region was the best or, you know, just bragging rights. And so I'm just, you know, wanting to get back to that time and that feeling. This one from Orlando from Twitter. It says, um, were you uh, motivated or just un underestimating Rosado going into that last fight? What was the reason for that performance when we know you're better than that? Right. Well, thank you for that. Um, I do agree that I am very better than that. And uh, next time around, I would definitely showcase something um, that you guys have been wanting for a long time. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't give any excuses. I wouldn't want to give an excuse in terms of that last fight. I would just say that it wasn't the most, uh, it just was a very weird situation, fighting with no fans and fight. It was just, yeah, it wasn't the yeah, the lackluster rather, right? So yeah. uh, I apologize to the fans over and over, even right after the ring, I apologize for not being able to give my best. But at the same time, man, it's, that guy is just a weird dude, bro. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, man, I just listen, let me say, I'm just glad that the personal stuff is out the way. 
and I still have a career to look forward to and then I can still have an opportunity to, you know, be a Hall of Famer. But, you know, good luck to him and his career and whatever that looks like. Uh, this one, last one from D's from Twitter. He says, what do you think about having Sweet Hands Plants belt around your waist? <laughs> That'd be sweet. <laughs> That'd be real sweet. I think uh, any champion um, that I can fight and become a two-time uh, division champion for me is, you know, pat on the back because, you know, most people don't even get a chance to be a champion, let alone two-time champion or three-time champion, you know? So I'm really trying to uh, give my best because I want the best results. All right, Daniel Jacobs, time for the last segment of the show. We call it The Last Stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, Danny Jacobs. You just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? I'm ready. In your opinion, Daniel Jacobs aside, who is the best fighter right now at 168 pounds? Ah, uh, 68. Mm. I would probably say, hmm. It's kind of hard, man. Everybody's good. And then everybody has their own. Think attributes and what they bring to the table. So to say who's the very best, it's kind of hard, man. Like, I don't think we've seen the very best because everybody isn't fighting each other, right? And so, well, you know, everyone says happens. Canelo, you know that. You know, everyone says Canelo. But is he 68, though? Like, what? I don't even know what way well, he's, he's fighting. Right he, he's right fighting now. Billy Saunders at 168, and now he okay, claims cool. that's where he's so, going to stay. So, yeah, I would probably, I would say Canelo for sure. And, yeah. and when you look back on that fight, what do you say? You say one thing I should have done is this against Canelo. Um, man, it would probably be something related to weight. Like, how could I have managed my weight a little bit more properly? But we've done the best that we can do. It's just one of those things. I just outgrew the weight. And then the restrictions that were placed on me made it really hard for me to be at my best. I mean, mm. I just didn't have that spark like I wanted to. But I mean, I don't really I couldn't say it would be anything that I can change. I mean, if there was anything that I could change, it would probably tell, you know, Golden Boy and Team Canelo to not put the, you know, the, the contract and, yeah. and, and wait, you know, clauses in there because to prove that you're the best, right? And we're both in the weight class, there should be no reasons for any weight stipulations. If either you make the weight and then you fight at whatever weight that you come in, regardless to what, I mean, I'm not a light heavyweight or cruiserweight, right? But I think with the Triple G fight, that's when people thought that I can really handle myself. And, and so because I looked, you know, in physical shape. And so it must have been I gained 20 pounds in order to take a punch. But we know now that that was bizarre and that's not, you know, the case. So, all right. Uh, next question Give me the one fighter that you must get in the ring before you retire. <laughs> Charlo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what was I'm going through? Go ahead. What was that? No, I said, no, for sure. I just think that's one of the fights that I want to fight before I retire, for sure. What was going through your mind when that ring announcer in the Rosado fight said, and the winner from Philly, and then they and then said your name? <laughs> First off, I just really couldn't believe it because I just knew in my mind that even though, like, like you know, we wasn't doing the best as far as our output, I knew that we wasn't losing rounds, and I knew that, like the fight might have been close, but it wasn't close to the point where it was a split decision. And so when he announced that, I was just like, first of all, I've never seen the guy in my life. Like I've never seen this announcer. He must have been a new guy <laughs> where, you know, they just got somebody because the pandemic, you know, they was like cutting down on price, trying to kick budget. So I don't know where they got that guy, but he didn't even, and the thing about it, he seen me backstage and as I'm passing, going to my locker room, he just stood there and didn't even apologize. Like you would think as a professional, right? You make such a big mistake like that, that you would be man enough to say my apologies. Like I made a big mistake, right? But he probably didn't even know, you know, the amount of impact that he had when the mistake. Yeah. But, 
Oh my gosh! I mean, it's, as much as a rival as Brooklyn and New York City is, and and yeah, that's unbelievable. Right. In Philly, I should say, but that's that was that was something. All right, uh, Daniel Jacobs, favorite rapper in, in Run DMC. Favorite rapper in Run DMC? Yes. Uh, I'll probably have to say um, Rev Run, man. Okay, sure. okay, yeah, no, okay, yeah. okay. I thought because you went together, you're gonna say DMC, you know. Uh, nah, oh, no, no, I love that. I, I give credit where credit is due, not just him, but you know, the whole group, but yeah, especially him growing up. I would say that you know, he was an idol for a lot of people, and so yeah, he changed the culture for real. Which loss? hurt more the canelo or the triple g fight i'd probably say the triple g fight law uh hurt probably a little bit more uh especially because i knew i didn't like going into the last rounds of um the canelo fight i knew i didn't even have it to really give like it was not snappy it wasn't strong but i was really giving my all in the triple g fight and i just think that you know, I don't know why they scored the, the cards the way that they did, but I really feel like I've done enough to, to edge it. And, uh, you know, I really feel like the public could or do agree with me when it comes to that. So, What fighter upsets you more these days, Jamal Charlo or Caleb Plant? Uh, none of them. Nah, they don't upset <laughs> me at all. Nah. I don't let people get under my skin anymore, man. I'm just like trying to just <laughs> stay away from confrontation, man. I've done enough to, you know, put my name up there to where I can get good fights, but I just want to focus on, you know, being the best version of myself and stay out away from this drama. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't going to let anybody disrespect me, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> biggest victory for Daniel Jacobs in the ring? Um, Probably... When I, I came back and forth, Josh Luteran, my first time back um, after cancer, that was probably be my biggest victory. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Last but not least, Daniel Jacobs finished this statement. Daniel Jacobs will be world champion again. In the near future. Hmm. Is that this year? This year. Okay. There you go. Yes, there, you, there you have it. There you have it. <laughs> he, he, hey, listen, folks, he's the proud. He's the, the this man reps Brooklyn more yes, than sir. anybody. Brownsville yes, never ran. Never will. I know it. He is. He's, he's the miracle man. That's Danny it. Jacobs, man, I appreciate you doing this. Always a pleasure, my brother. Thank you always for having me. Listen, that's what we do here on The Last Stand. We bring you the biggest names in the sport, like the miracle man, Daniel Jacobs. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.